Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Well, it's definitely good to be back in the saddle this morning after being away last week. And I tell you what, I'm always so thankful for my brother Shane that can, I, can, I can just trust everything over to him. And he does a fantastic job and just keeps things moving right along. He did a wonderful job last week. Shane preached about a, a point in the life of King David last week. And this morning we're going to be looking at another story from the life of King David. And this story involves really David's children as much as it involves King David. And it's, it's a tragic story, but there's a lot we can learn from this story. And so we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 13, talking about the duties of parenthood. Now listen, my disclaimer here is I don't claim to have everything about parenting figured out. Probably as any parent here could say this morning. But we're going to do our best looking at the Word and talking about what we should do as parents. So David, King David had accumulated a lot of children from a lot of different women. And so he had uh, difficulty managing all these children, all these wives, and caring for all of them the way that he should have cared for them as a father needed to do. And his parenting skills, or really the lack thereof, as we see in Scripture, would cause David a lot of stress, grief, and heartache over the course of his lifetime. And so, you know, you think about parenting, it's really fascinating to me. And it's like, no matter how long we do this as a race, we never seem to really figure it out. I can remember bringing Easton home from the hospital that first day and, and, and thinking, my goodness, two days ago, I didn't even know how to change a diaper. I would have tried to put the thing on backwards, you know. But now they're sending this human being home with me to trust that I'll care for it and, and take care of it. And I don't, know, I don't have a, what do you feed this thing? I mean, what do you do with him? You just sit and hold him all the time? I don't know. But you start to figure it out. And you have hopefully some people in your life that have done this before that can give you some pointers on how to do this. But anyway, I, I think maybe if time goes on long enough, maybe I like to think we'll figure it out, but I'm not so sure. And then you think about having more than one child. And if you've got more than one child, you can relate to this. You bring the first child home. And you're so just confused and overwhelmed that you just you smother this infant. I mean, you don't you carry it all the time. You, you I remember our house was like completely bubble wrapped when we brought Easton home. I mean, the coffee table had pads around it. The the hearth had pads on it. We we had baby gates everywhere, and just we just hovered over him, just so afraid he was going to fall down or something like that. And then Audrey comes along, baby number two. And we're like, kid, just go play on the stairs. You'll be fine. (laughs) You always know the second child. Anyway, David, to sum it up, David's in over his head as a father, as a husband. 
He's got so much going on. Again, he has multiple, multiple children who are, many of them, half-brothers and half-sisters with one another. And one of these young men named Amnon becomes just infatuated with his half-sister Tamar. And we're not going to read the details of this story, but it gets to the point that he does something that's just unspeakable. And so then that sin puts into action this whole sequence of events that would just nearly ruin David's life and his kingship. So that's where the story picks up in 2 Samuel 13. We're going to begin in verse 19 this morning. And the Bible says this, After all this happens, Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the long-sleeved robe that she was wearing. She put her hand on her head and went away crying out. Her brother, this is her full brother, Absalom, said to her, Has your brother Amnon been with you? Be quiet for now, my sister. He's your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in the house of her brother Absalom. Now when King David heard about all these things, he was furious. Absalom didn't say anything to Amnon, either good or bad, because he hated Amnon since he has disgraced his sister Tamar. Notice the story jumps ahead. Two years later, Absalom's sheep shearers were at Baal Hazor near Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's sons. Then he went to the king and said, Your servant has just hired sheep shearers. Will the king and his servants please come with your servant? And the king replied to Absalom, No, my son. We should not all go, or we would be a burden to you. And although Absalom urged him, he wasn't willing to go, though he did bless him. If not, Absalom said, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king asked him, why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him. So he sent Amnon and all the king's sons. Now Absalom commanded his young men, watch Amnon until he is in a good mood from the wine. And when I order you to strike Amnon, then kill him. Don't be afraid. Am I not the one who's commanded you? Be strong and valiant. So Absalom's young men did to Amnon just as Absalom had commanded. Then all the rest of the king's sons got up and each fled on his mule. Verse 30 says, While they were on their way, a report reached David. Absalom struck down all the king's sons. Not even one of them survived. In response, the king stood up tore his clothes, and lay down on the ground. And all his servants stood by with their clothes torn. What, what, what a tragic series of events. I mean, this, is, this makes Jerry Springer look pretty, pretty weak. This is, this is stuff right here. But David had, from what we can tell from Scripture, at least 21 children who are named in Scripture, and their, their mothers are named. Plus, there are others that came from unnamed wives who were unnamed children in Scripture. And then you add the unnamed children from the unnamed concubines that David had. David, what I'm getting at, the the family dynamics in David's house would have been something to watch. It was very intense. And we look at this tragic story, and on the one hand, you've got to blame the children. I mean, these children, they're they're a mess. They're not not doing anything good. But then you've got to think, wait a minute. Where was David? And we've got to blame 
David himself. And then when you really dig into the things going on here, yeah, the children make their own choices. And your children are going to grow up and they're going to make their own choices and make their own decisions as adults. But there are things in the meantime while they're still children and they're still under your authority and under your household that we as parents are expected by God to do. And so there, I think these are sacred duties that God has entrusted to us parents that we got to do for the sake of our children and for their future. And so, you know what they do when they're grown is really on them. But I like to think if we get them started off in the right direction, in a godly direction, that they're going to turn out okay. So what are our responsibilities? Well... One, it's, it's what we do with our children, what we do to our children, how we manage them. But I'll be honest with you, the majority of, of, what, of your parenting, what I've realized, is, is as much about you as it is about them. It's as much about your words and your actions and your choices and the, the things that you do in their presence as much as it's about them. So this morning, four duties of parenthood. And the first one's this, keep your kids from desolation. I use that word desolation because it's right here. It's the word used in Scripture. Keep your kids from desolation. The Bible says after this tragedy that Tamar went and lived with her full brother Absalom as a desolate woman. That she mourned and she cried. And verse 22 goes on to say that she had been disgraced. And that those words in the Hebrew, they're, they're very powerful words, meaning that she had just been dis- devastated. Really, that almost to the point that her life was considered a waste because of what had happened to her. And that word for disgrace in the Hebrew is most often translated affliction. And as parents, no, you can't guard your children from every affliction in life, but you can guard them from a lot of them. And so this affliction, this violation, this humiliation, this thing that had been done to Tamar unjustly, it was just devastating to her. And, I, and listen, as a father... I read this story and, and I'm just so disgusted with Amnon. I mean, if I could, I'd go back in time and just beat the tar out of him. Lay godly hands on this young man. But then again, I think, where was the girl's father when all this was going on? And it's easy to look at David's life and think, well, he was busy, he's the king. He's got all these other kids and people to tend to. Where was he? I mean, why was he not parenting and shepherding and protecting his own daughter? And I think, man, as a father, that's one of the most important things that we can do is to protect. Guys, we're protectors, right? We're supposed to protect our children. And sometimes that means protecting them from other family members. Then you read this story and you realize not only was David not present, but David was actually the one that sent Tamar into where Amnon was. And one day, folks, your kids are going to grow up and they're going to go wherever they want to go. This is going to scare some parents. Just don't have a heart attack. But one day, your kids are going to go wherever they want to go. They're going to do whatever they want to do. But again, right now, while you still have the power over them that God has entrusted you with, while you still can, you are supposed to keep them from places that they shouldn't be. You're to protect them from situations that they shouldn't be in. You say, well, they're going to be mad at me, preacher. They ain't going to like me. Big whoop. 
Let them be mad. Your job is not just to make your children happy, it's to make them holy. And so, keep them safe. You know, keep them safe from experiencing this emotional turmoil while you have that power over them in their life. And then maybe one day when they are able to make the choices on their own, maybe by that point they'll have enough wisdom that you've bestowed on them that they'll think, I don't need to do this. I don't need to go here. I don't need to put myself in this kind of situation. And then on the flip side of that, mom and dad, not only keep them from places and situations they shouldn't be, but put them where they need to be, like church and Sunday school and youth group. And around other godly influences. Right now, I'm going to bring this up. Right now, do you realize about half the kids that we have coming to First Baptist Church to our student ministries, especially youth, you realize about half of those are not what we'd call church kids? Now, I look at that, and on the one hand, I'm so thankful that that's the case because it means we're doing some good outreach with our kids. But on the other hand, I look at this and when, when me and Shane dig into who's actually here, we realize it's not just that our church kids are outnumbered by new kids. It's that a lot of our church kids aren't here in the first place. And that causes me some issues. My point is this. When we make church an option for our kids, what choice do you think they're going to make when they can make that decision by themselves? So, these next points are a little bit more about us. I'll quit harping on our, our parenting skills, but this is more about us. Not only keep your kids safe, not only keep them from desolation, not only keep them where they need to be, but keep yourself from anger. Whew. If you're a parent, that's tough sometimes, isn't it? No way men's there. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how David found out about what happened. But it was inevitable that he would. And it does tell us his response. The Bible says David was furious. But then you read this and you realize he was emotional, but he was inactive. He didn't do anything about what had happened. And when the Bible says that he was furious, the, the Hebrew here paints the picture of this fire burning within David. Burning within this father. This hot fire that had been kindled by this action that had been taken against his daughter. And David, again, he was understandably furious furious at what had happened, but his anger should not just have been directed at his children. It shouldn't have just been directed at the situation. It should have been directed at his failed parenting. And as it burned out of control, I think David's anger blinded him from being able to make the next decisions that he needed to make in order to make this situation right. And so instead of being able to step up and be the godly father that David needed to be, he was kind of crippled by his emotions and crippled by his apathy. And then his whole family suffered because of this, especially him. Now, mom and dad, your children, you may not realize this, your children are going to stir up a lot of emotions in you. How many moms and dads knew that? Yep, they are. A, a lot of different emotions. There's going to be times when your little child makes you so proud you, you can't fit your head through the door. You're just so proud of them. There's going to be times that they just bring so much joy to your life. They make you happy. There's going to be times when they make you sad and they break your heart. There's going to be times when, when they embarrass you when they go to preschool for the first time and they tell the preschool teacher what you really say at home. And the teacher tells you about what little Johnny said about what you say at home. And you're going be embarrassed and there's going to be times that they make you angry and upset you 
And it's in those moments, parents, that you have to be careful because I think even emotions can be contagious. And I say that because, look at this, in one verse the Bible says David was furious. His anger burned out of control. And in the very next verse it says Absalom hated his brother Amnon. I have found that your children will most likely display some of your best and some of your worst characteristics. Chances are your children will be like you in some way. Whether that's good or bad. Sometimes I'll hear, I'll be downstairs, the kids will be upstairs, and I'll, I'll realize that Audrey has done something to Easton. You can tell who the, the, the big personality is in the house, right? I can, I can tell that Audrey's done something to Easton because I'll hear Easton go, Audrey! And I get tickled, but then I think, my goodness, that sounded just like Tyler Shields hollering, Audrey! Your kids will not just mimic you, but they will be like you in a deeply rooted kind of way. And so you've got to be careful. And they'll, they'll, for better or worse, you know, David, think about his life. David was infatuated with a woman at one time in his life to the point that he killed a woman. He killed her husband, the woman's husband. His son Amnon was so infatuated with his half-sister that he did what he did. And perhaps that's one reason David didn't do anything here. David was so filled with anger that that anger burned uncontrollably. And then his son Absalom was filled with that same kind of anger and hate that he then murdered his own brother in cold blood. You see, as a Christian, right? I mean, whether you're a mom and dad or not, as a Christian, you, you have to keep these things in check. Because people are going to make you mad. And, and, and as a parent, your children are definitely going to make you mad and all these different emotions. But this is so true as a parent when you have your children watching you day in and day out. Picking up on every little thing that you do. Every little thing that mom and dad says. You can ask a child who has the worst parents, who do they want to be like? Who do they say they want to be like? Mom and dad. Second thing, not only keep yourself from anger, or third thing, I guess, keep yourself wise. Our kids are on a whole different level these days, and it's hard to keep up with them. But David did not follow up the actions of his children wisely. Again, he had, in, the, in his emotions, in his apathy, he was kind of suckered in by Absalom into sending Amnon to his death. Again, David sent Tamar into Amnon, then he sent Absalom to kill Amnon. He didn't realize what he was doing. But he was furious. But he was disengaged. And he was unwise to everything his children were doing. And because of that, I think David's children were, they could swindle him into doing things and manipulate him into doing things that they wanted that he, normally he would not agree with if he had realized what was actually going on in these situations. Listen, our kids are sharp, folks. Sharper than I was at their age. But they will swindle you into things. And I'm not saying that to be mean, but they, they will manipulate you if you're not careful. And I think, parents, I know you'll say, well, little Johnny, little Susie, they'd never do this. They're just little angels. And they are. But little Johnny, little Susie, well, who do you, mom and dad? Audrey, I have to share this. This was so funny. The other night, we were hanging out, and I was in the living room with Easton and Audrey, and 
Uh, I wasn't paying real close attention, but Easton had, I think, unintentionally, if he even did anything at all, done something to Audrey, and she was upset about it. And she said, she was complaining to me, Daddy Easton did this, Easton hit me here, did whatever. And I said, well, honey, what do you want me to do about it? I mean, you, your kids, go play. What, what do you want me to do? She said, I want you to whip him. <laughs> and I thought, okay, maybe this is a great opportunity for some good parenting. To teach Audrey that you don't just whip people for nothing if they're innocent and haven't done anything to you. So I said, okay, Audrey, I, you want me to whip your brother? Yeah, whip him. It's okay, I'm going to whip him. I'll go whip him. So I go over to Easton. And I'm like, Easton, get up, son. I'm going to have to whip you. And as he's getting up, I whispered, just play along. (laughs) So I pretend to whip the far out of Easton, right? And Easton's pretending to cry. I mean, it's a pretty good act we got going on. (laughs) And instead of Audrey feeling bad for that, before I know it, I look down and she's just clubbing him too, man. I had to drag her off of it. Anyway, you got to keep your emotions in check and be wise with your children. They'll, they'll, they'll hoodoo you. Now, I've been very blessed and fortunate in my life with the people that God has surrounded me with. And, and folks, I'll, I'll be honest, it really took a village to get me raised. It still does most days. But I was surrounded by people that loved me and that cared about me. And who were, they were patient with me and they took the time to teach me valuable life lessons. And even when I messed up, those same people were usually slow to anger and slow to speak and quick to teach me an incredible life lesson. I would submit to you this morning, though, that it really is more difficult in 2023 to stay engaged in your children's lives than it was even 10, 20 years ago. Because, one, our kids are so involved in so many things outside of our family, outside of our direct influence. They're being bombarded by all these other voices and influences in their lives. And then you add on to the fact that our children are literally connected to the rest of the world through the internet and through their devices if you've chosen to let them use those. And used to, if you wanted to know what your kid was up to, what would you do? You went to their room and you went through their stuff, right? And you, you had an idea of what they were doing. Today, mom and dad, if you've given your child a device of some kind, you better be checking that thing to see who they're talking to and what they're doing. And here's why. The truth is, one out of seven kids will receive unwanted solicitations by on, online predators. One out of seven. One out of 25 children, so basically one child out of every classroom in the school, will actually be enticed to meet that online predator in person. You better watch who your kids are talking to and who's influencing them, who they're hanging around. And yes, when they mess up, well, you have to hold back that anger and practice some wisdom and, and really teach them a lesson. Don't just punish them, but teach them the lesson that they need to learn so they don't do it again. Now, the last thing in conclusion, this all boils down to David's biggest failure as a parent. And it's this. This is our duty as a mom and as a dad Keep yourself involved. David's biggest failure 
was that he was uninvolved in the lives of his children. And from what we read, it just seems like his children did whatever they pleased. And, and, and I know for some of us, that sounds like a great model to follow. Let them do what they want. They'll be happy. I don't have to worry about it. But listen, this nearly destroyed David's family. It nearly destroyed David, his kingship and his family. But even after everything that was going on and everything that had happened between his children, David wasn't even present to know who'd been killed. He thought he'd lost all of his sons at once. And then after this, when you read through this in your reading plan, you realize what takes place after all this. As David continued to remain uninvolved in Absalom's life, in his children's lives, that absence as a father basically allows Absalom, one, I think, to develop resentment against King David, his dad, and then to rise to power against him and just make his life unbearable. Tragic. Poor parenting literally led David from one tragedy to the next, to the next, to the next. Parents, you are some of the most powerful people on planet Earth in the lives of your children. And as parents, we have to be involved. You know, I've learned something. I've learned that by talking to a lot of dads and then becoming a dad myself, that it seems like in today's world, a lot of dads especially have trouble relating to their children. And what I've found in talking to dads is, is that if your child is not interested in your stuff, your thing, for example, let's say Mario and Minecraft was never your thing. Well, guess what? If it's your kid's thing, it just became your thing. If football and basketball and hunting and fishing and all that stuff was never your thing, but your child loves that and that's their thing, then guess what, Dad? Now that's your thing too. Because as long as that thing's not a bad thing, and that's your child's thing, then you need to use that thing in order to be involved in their life. So play a little Mario sometimes. Go fishing sometimes. Whatever that looks like. But by far, and hear this clear, this is the most important thing. By far the most important thing that you can do as a mom, as a dad. And listen, it's great. God bless you if you lead them to become a doctor or a lawyer or successful person or to get an education or whatever that is. Great. More power to you. But the most important thing that you can do, mom and dad, is to lead your children to the Lord Jesus Christ. Point them towards Him. Instill in them what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Model for them. Show them what that looks like. Because the world's not going to show them what that looks like. Show them every day what it looks like to get up and follow King Jesus. Now listen, there's going to be times that you're going to lose your cool. There's going to be times that you take a nap instead of passing the ball and, and, and God will forgive you for that. It's okay. You need naps too. But listen, don't mess this thing right here up. If you mess everything else up, get this one right. Lead them towards Christ and do not fail to teach them about Him. Because now I can stand, as many of you already can, I can stand before you this morning and tell you as a father that there's no better feeling than knowing all your children know Jesus. Nothing compares. 
So my question for you today is what kind of parent do you want to be? And mom and dad, let me tell you this. If you don't know Jesus, then you can't lead them in the right direction. And so first and foremost, you need to get yourself right with the Lord today. And if you're already there and you've got a relationship with God, let me ask you, are you leading the rest of your family towards Him? Are you leading them to grow in a relationship with Him? Are you praying for your kids? Are you keeping your emotions in check and and leading them with godly wisdom as a parent? I guess at the end of the day, the question really is, do your children see Christ in you? Do they see Christ-like behaviors and words and decisions in mom and dad. Let's stand together as we close. Father, you have entrusted to us an incredible gift. Our children. Lord, we know as the Bible says that children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. And God, what joy they bring to our lives. God, sometimes they, they stir up some emotions in us. Sometimes they even bring heartache. But God, even in those moments, help us to be a godly father and a godly mother that only points our children towards Christ. Help us, Lord, to not only lead them, but to pray for them. To trust our children over to you. And God, this morning, if there's a mom, if there's a dad here that they don't even have a relationship with Jesus yet. God, I pray this morning, they'd start right there. Give their heart to Christ. That they too could experience, God, this joy of leading their kids to Jesus too. Lord, we thank you for loving us so much and for giving your son for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So we sing a song of invitation this morning. If you'd like to pray, if you'd like to pray for your children, or there's a decision that you need to make, why don't you come as we sing, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.